Hey everyone, it is Adrian from The Pageant Project with you. My special guest for today is Rovalyn Milford, who is Miss Intercontinental New Zealand. I'll just read out a little bit about her before we get into it. So Rovalyn is a 24-year-old security officer and is your Miss Intercontinental New Zealand 2022. She grew up in Palmerston North in a multicultural household with a Filipino mother and a Kiwi father facing obstacles in her life such as body image and cultural identity issues. Rovalyn is committed to sharing her story as well as those of other women who have faced personal challenges. In 2021, she created the Be Uniquely You campaign and has been able to speak at community events in New Zealand, acknowledging the importance of self-acceptance and empowerment for the women of today and tomorrow. And you can follow Rovalyn on Instagram at Rovalyn underscore Milford. Rovalyn, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And how are you, Adrian? It's such an exciting time to be here. I'm I'm doing well. Was it weird to hear someone reading out your own bio? Yes, because normally I would have to say my own bio. So it's really different and so nice to have someone else reading out my own bio and just reflect on how much I've grown as an individual over the past few years, especially throughout the pandemic. Oh, we don't talk about the pandemic here. That never happened. Um, but I mean, I guess I guess we should. Um, let, let, let's go back because you just mentioned how much you've grown over the last few years. And we were just talking before we went live about how long you've been involved in pageantry. But let's rewind before that. And why don't you tell everyone watching, whether it's live or on the replay, how you got involved in pageantry to begin with, because pageantry in America is huge. Pageantry in the UK and Australia is smaller. And then I got to think pageantry in New Zealand is smaller still. So how did you get involved in pageantry? So as you know, growing up in a very Filipino community, Filipinos are very much into pageantry. And so in New Zealand, we have a cultural pageantry called Miss Philippines New Zealand. And in 2014, when I was 17 years old, I was encouraged by my local community here in Palmerston North to join Miss Philippines New Zealand. At first, I was very unsure because my dad, who had a very negative perspective on pageantry, thought, what would you gain from it? What would you gain from joining pageantry, you know? But I just joined in anyway, just for a laugh and just for the experience. And ever since then, I realized that pageantry is more about being on stage and all about the glitz and glamour. It's about self-development and also empowering yourself and also empowering other women to gain the voice and create a change for tomorrow in your community. Did you ever find out from your dad, because it says your mum is Filipino, so all Filipinos that I know are pageant mad. It just like runs in the blood. Did you, did you ever find out from your dad what particular sort of negative image or stereotype he had about pageantry to begin with? I believe it's just the lack of knowledge of pageantry because, as you know, in New Zealand, pageantry is not really well known. And not mm. only my dad, but a lot of people that I talk to have the same image of the traditional concept of pageantry, which is just yeah. the physical beauty, not the inner beauty. So when my dad got in more engaged into pageantry, and now he's very much a stage dad these days, he realized that how much I've grown as an individual and how much I have been 
open to so much opportunities, not only in New Zealand, but also internationally. And so he finds it an impositive way to join pageantry and really much encourage other women like myself to join pageantry too. So he's not only a stage dad, but also a pageantry promoter. <laughs> when you say he's a stage dad, does that, is that just for you? Is he helping other people? I mean, cause like pageant mums and I used to coach tennis and like tennis mums is not a term you use. Like it's not a very positive connotation. So when you say he's a stage dad, what is he doing? Is he like, gesticulating wildly in the back of the room while you're on stage or yes as well as trying to list off everything that i need as well and also having a schedule of what things i need to get so basically oh, wow. he just tells me what to do and especially at this time on my way to egypt he says oh do you have this particular dress do you have this particular hair curler do you have this particular luggage have you got your monies when you have to go overseas do you have your bank card and it's just like yes dad yes dad I got everything don't worry dad don't tell me I know everything don't worry I got you but he's very supportive and it's something that I'm so grateful for because I know that not many women in my position would have that opportunity to have a supportive parent and what about your mum? I mean, your dad sounds hugely supportive. Your mum being Filipino, did she know everything about pageantry to begin with? No, she's she's still on the fence, surprisingly. As a Filipino, she's I feel like she's the minority who has a bit yes. of unsurety about pageantry because of the financial situations, because of how expensive pageantry is. And she grew up in a very poor household and nearly went into poverty. And for her, money is such an essential for her. And so for me to spend a lot of money for myself and for my passion and also for my future, she thinks that um, she she's kind of on the fence about certain things. And I have to respect that. But at the same yeah. time, I have to tell her, like, this is what I want to do, mom. You have to respect that and this is what i love to do so please be supported if you can but if you don't then i 100 percent understand that totally yeah it's i mean our parents don't always understand why we're doing what we're doing and then when we become parents i like to think the positions are reversed and we don't always understand why our children are doing what they're doing but certainly a yeah. filipino who isn't 100 percent into pageants is a bit a bit of a unusual phenomenon in the world of pageantry. But um, as we were talking, you've been doing this for seven years. And as your mom rightly pointed out, it's not the cheapest hobby in the world. And there are many other things you could do with your time and money and effort. So what is it about pageantry that really got you hooked? I mean, you're about to fly to Egypt in what is it like a couple of weeks? I'm flying on Sunday, which happens to be my 25th birthday. <laughs> So it's many, such a uh, many happy reason. returns. Man, I, I flew over to Texas this year and I flew over pretty much on my birthday. So, yeah, um, so I know how that feels. But um, so what is it that makes you spend your birthday on an airplane? I mean, obviously, there must be something that really got you hooked. When I first started pageantry, when I was in my late teens, or from about 17 to around about 20, I did it as an 
as as an experience run as a way to as a personal development but then later on I realized that as myself I'm a bit of adrenaline junkie so Mm -hmm. I have this massive adrenaline to be on stage to challenge myself to showcase the true essence of myself but then later on in my life and once I had the full grasp of understanding of pageantry I realized that I don't only need to be the voice of myself, but also for other people in my community. And I should be authentically of myself and to showcase my story in order to help to empower people to find their voice and to be unafraid of to share their story as well. So that's what keeps me going into continuing doing pageantry into exploring myself, but also to help other people as well. And how do you give us an idea as to how you feel you've grown over those seven years? I mean, for any person, let alone a woman, going from that age of late teens to mid-20s, that's that's a very compressed sort of time where we all sort of are supposed to find our feet, not that we really yeah. do, especially in this day and age. And then obviously we had two years <laughs> of the pandemic in the middle of it. Then, as I said, I was watching one of your previous interviews, and I think you said at 16 you were a tomboy and introverted, which to me translates to, okay, maybe the onstage component wasn't your natural sort of habitat. I don't know, maybe you were, but can you give us an idea as to how you've changed over the seven years? Because it sounds like you've changed a lot. You know, as you said, Adrian, I was a tomboy and I was very much introverted as a young kid. And I never seemed to speak up for myself as a young kid. But as I got into pageantry, it made me force to find myself and to force to really find my voice and to stand up for myself. Because if I didn't join pageantry, I would still be the same person that I was at 16. So I'm mm. really thankful for pageantry for giving me that, that space to grow and to find myself, as well as being unafraid to share my story. Because I was very scared to, sh- to share my story about be- having body image issues and to have mental illness as well, and as well as being unconnected with my Filipino roots as I was- grew up in a very much European household. Mm-hmm. And so for that, I've not only, through pageantry, I've not only grown as an individual, but I feel more content as an individual as well. When you started, first started in pageantry, you would have still, you would have just been in late high school, correct? Yes, yes. So did your friends at the time when you said, hey, I'm going to enter a pageant, and there you are, 16, tomboy and introverted, when you told your friends that you were going to enter a pageant, what sort of response did they have? They didn't know anything about pageant. All they know was Miss Congeniality, the movie, and they thought, okay, so you're just yeah. going to be on stage wearing bikinis and a good gown with a face full of makeup and that's it. Sounds all right. But, um, and that's how I perceive pageantries as well. But it wasn't yeah. until late, later on to my 20s that's when I realized that pageantry is more than that. So back in high school, they were kind of don't care about it. They were very supportive, but they just went along with the journey with it. And for the people who are watching who are maybe overseas and haven't any idea where New Zealand is or what it is or 
Is it just part of Australia? Can you tell the people watching a little bit more about New Zealand? Because I've been there once. Um, I was in Queenstown around that area. And I got to say, I think it's the most beautiful country in the world. I mean, I always say there's a reason that they decided to shoot Lord of the Rings in New Zealand, because it looks like that. But can you tell the people watching a bit more about New Zealand, the people, the culture, the heritage? So for those who do not know about New Zealand, New Zealand is firstly not part of Australia, but it is Australia's little cousin. And I know a lot of people seem to be confused with Australia because we are so close together, as well mm. as our flags look exactly identical <laughs> as well. But for those who do not know where it is located on the map, it is in the bottom of the South Pacific Ocean, right next to Australia. And sometimes we are not included on the map sometimes, but that's okay. <laughs> you can just draw it on or you can Google it and just trace it on. But it is, there are two main islands of New Zealand, just briefly named North and South Island. Very basic, very simple, not difficult. <laughs> and I currently live in the North Island called Palmerston North. And New Zealand is populated around about 5 million people. So mm -hmm. basically, there's a bit of a joke that everybody knows everybody and that there is more sheep than people. Yeah. Fun fact. Fun fact, I actually Googled this yesterday. There is, you can, so every one person, there's, they can own 10 sheep. So, so there's about five a lot of sheep. more sheep <laughs> than people. Yeah, I know. That's why we consume so much lamb to kind of keep up with everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, New Zealand is such a beautiful country. As Adrian said, it's a place for the Lord of the Rings. There is a lot of greenery, a lot of scenery, mm -hmm. um, a lot of mountains and these beautiful beaches, a lot of dull beaches. But if you try to find the little treasures of the beaches, I'm sure they are the most spectacular beaches in the world. For us people, we are very laid back. We're kind of similar to Australians where we are just chill out, just like to hang out on the beach and have a bit of a barbecue here and there during the summer. But we are people that likes to hang out with a lot of people and have a great hospitality. Yeah. Also, what makes uniquely New Zealand, lastly, is that we are a people of change. We don't only focus for ourselves, but also for each other. And that is really well represented throughout our history, as we are the first country that allow the women the right to vote. We were mm. also the first country to um, to ban nuclear weapons in our shores, as well as throughout the pandemic, we very much spread the message throughout our country about kindness. And through that, that was makes me proud to be a New Zealander. And I hope that little summary in general, my little summary in general, gives you a little bit of idea of the beauty of this beautiful land of New Zealand. That's uh, well said. You should become a tourism spokesperson for New Zealand. Um, it's funny, even from my perspective, I sometimes forget that Australia and New Zealand are actually two separate countries because that time that I was going to New Zealand, I completely forgot that I needed a passport. <laughs> and then it was like with two weeks, yeah, with two weeks ago, I'm like, hang on, 
New Zealand's a different country. I need a passport. I needed to rush my passport, which, which here in Australia means you need to pay hundreds of dollars to get it rushed through quickly. But I completely forgot that New Zealand was a different country because I've worked with a lot of New Zealanders in the past and I get along with them famously. I feel there's very little difference between Australians and Kiwis, as we call you guys. I'm not sure that I know there's a Kiwi, the bird or whether it was Kiwi fruit, but yeah. we, we, you know, Aussies and Kiwis, obviously the accents are a little bit different. The one thing I always noticed about Kiwis was that they always greeted me every day, every working day with a traditional Maori greeting. That is something that, and this was 20 years ago. That's something that I really liked. Is that a thing in New Zealand or was that just the Kiwis that I was hanging around with? No, that is very much a very New Zealand way of greeting people these days. We have a very strong connection with our Indigenous people, which is the Māori. And our government recently just tried to introduce, to introduce more of a curriculum in our schools to promote Māori language. And surprisingly, mm -hmm. this week it is Māori Language Week. So it's very much oh. encouraging people to learn te reo Māori and incorporate it in their daily lives. And it's something so unique about New Zealand and what makes us so proud to be New Zealanders. Mm -hmm. And we try to define it as a way to stand out from Australia and try to be uniquely New Zealand yeah. as well. Well, that, that's something definitely that you guys, I think it's fair to say, are ahead of us. We, we certainly don't, um, I don't, I'm ashamed to say, don't know any Indigenous Australian language at all. I, I know more of the Maori vocabulary just because the Kiwis who were over here used it. Um, but if we move on for a second, I mentioned at the beginning that you're a security officer. Now, yes. <laughs> I've interviewed over 200 pageant queens. Fairly certain that you're the first security officer that I've interviewed. So how did you get into that? Because it's not, let's say, traditionally a feminine role, but I'm always interested to see when someone's done something a bit unusual, why? So why security? I, growing up as a young kid, I always loved watching documentaries or reality TV shows. And one TV show that stood out, which I assume is very popular in Australia, it's called Border Patrol. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and in New Zealand, they always show the Australian version where they have, they just follow around custom officers in Sydney or Melbourne airports and also check on the luggages as well as immigrations of people who are bordering into Australian airports. And for me, I found that so fascinating trying to figure, trying to investigate what people are hiding, as well as reading people's body language and knowing that you can potentially prevent something that could cause a massive tragedy in our country. Yeah. And through that, I wanted to delve even more deeper into the security field. And luckily, I went to university. I am the first person in my family to go to university and graduate mm -hmm. in university. And I am a very small group of women who graduated with a BA in security studies and defense. So luckily that kind of got me into where I am in the position is as a security officer. And every day I love my job. I interact with people from all walks of life. 
as well as meeting distinguished people of our country. So I've met politicians, I've met people of musicians as well, as well mm -hmm. as having the ability to not only protecting people and property, but also the interests and values of my country. So this is just where my brain went. When I saw that you were a security officer, I immediately had this image of you crash tackling people, jumping in front of VIPs with your bulletproof vest, you know, bodyguard style. So what what is your, and I'm sure you, I, I'm pretty sure you don't do that, but what what is your sort of the daily, on a daily, weekly basis, what does your job actually entail? Because it's fascinating. So it doesn't entail me crashing onto people as, as much as people would love to say. Unfortunately, I have the same laws as you, as well as every other citizen. All that force is for the police because they have the most force to do arresting people. So what I do on my daily basis is just walk around, as well as talking on to a little speak, into a little, you know, talking communication radio. Yeah as well as communicating with people, everyday people, as well as, like I said, politicians and also staff members to see if there's any risks of any risks in the building or in the premises mm -hmm. and trying to analyze it every day. So it may seem a little bit boring, but I can tell you when there's an incident happening, it can be a little bit of entertainment. <laughs> Put it mildly. Um, where, where do you see yourself going in five years or 10 years or, or have you not thought that far ahead in terms of, in terms of career? For myself, I am still, my heart is still in security, mm. but I want to go even more further with that. And so there have been a few options out there for me. I could either go to New Zealand Customs and may fulfill my childhood dream to become a custom officer, or even more, because of pageantry and because pageantry has given me the opportunity to very much improve my communication skills to work into the immigration industry or even into the embassy of internal affairs and working overseas in New Zealand embassies and become a diplomat. So that's where I am at the moment, but I feel that my heart is kind of slowly going towards into the diplomatic side of things. Right. Okay. Well, that's that's going to be an interesting field. It'll be very. I'll be watching closely to see how you go. I, I do have a couple of friends who worked. One of them actually worked as a diplomat. I think he was Australia's diplomat or one of the diplomats to Korea, and um, mm. his, his work seemed to basically involved talking to people, eating good food and drinking good wine. It, it didn't seem like the hardest job in the world, if I'm honest. And he had to learn Korean. But yeah, I, I could I could learn Korean too, if I if I got to do that every day. Um, in term in terms of the pageant, so you're flying to Egypt on your on your birthday. Um, do you have any expectations as to how you want to do over there? Is it a case of you just getting over there and you're excited to meet all these people from literally all around the world? Um, how are you approaching the international pageant? 
for me, it is such a wonderful opportunity to go to Egypt and to represent my country. And for me, being as a New Zealander, I want to represent New Zealand in the best possible way and to showcase that New Zealand does exist. <laughs> so I want to showcase and embody the true Kiwi culture and true Kiwi characteristics, attributes and also values. But also I want to show them my true essence of self, the true Roblin. And to not only to showcase, to, to share my stories, but also to hear their stories as well. Because Miss Intercontinental's motto is called the power of beauty. Mm. And so we all have that power of beauty within us. And so there is no better place to showcase and share our story is in, in Egypt, where all 80 of us women are all together, to, you know, supporting and sharing the same message. It's just, it's still to me so cool that people are actually able to get together in person again now, because we went for so long without actually sometimes even being in the same house, you know, not yeah. being able to talk to each other. To now think that we're actually able to travel again, it's still, um, it's still very cool. Um, so you mentioned... You want to obviously represent yourself and then represent your country. I give the Aussie girls grief all the time because when they go overseas to represent Australia, you know, they always take the Vegemite and the Tim Tams and it's always a stuffed koala. So are you taking, is there any New Zealand or Kiwi cliche equivalent of the jar of Vegemite or the koala? Well, firstly, I don't like Vegemite. I don't either. It's okay. Oh, don't you? Okay. No, good. I hate it. Can't, can't stand it. I'm sorry. Bad Aussie here, but it's just salty <laughs> death. So. It is. And we have the New Zealand equivalent of Vegemite. I don't know whether you have it in Australia, but it's called Marmite. Oh, that's what so, they have in the UK. Yeah, that's yeah. like Vegemite that's had diarrhea, though. That's even worse. It's it's runny. <laughs> I don't know. Is it runny in New Zealand? Because in the UK, they showed it to me, and you like you can pour it. It's thick. It's super thick. It's more thicker than Vegemite, man. Like, you need to pretty much put... You need to heat up your your knife with hot boiling water and then scrape it. So do, do you, you just... like Marmite? Because Marmite, to me, tastes very similar to Vegemite. So if you don't like Vegemite, you're probably not going to like Marmite. Oh, no. I stay away from it like the Black Plague. It is awful. <laughs> it is awful. But my dad loves it. He just consumes it every day. But for me, a lot of people like to like to give Vegemite to young girls and to see what their reaction is, you know, just mm. put up an experiment, which I, I think that's a good idea, but I feel like that's a bit of, a bit of torture to the young girls because, you know, Marmite, yep. Vegemite are not that great, but there is also, you know, like the little koala beers that you Australians mm -hmm. give, we have the kiwi, the little kiwi oh, bird yeah. as well, little stuffed yeah. boy, as well as the I love New Zealand pen. That you can easily lose. <laughs> I love New Zealand pens. Oh dear, um, the kiwi. I don't know. Have you ever seen? I think it was quite famous. There was a T-shirt about New Zealand, about the kiwi, the bird, mm -hmm. and it takes a. It's a little cartoon of the kiwi, and then it's like yeah. showing like a recipe, and it like chops the head off, 
and then chops the body up into slices <laughs> and then the body because it's oval and then it's chopped up yeah. inside they show it's like oh that's the kiwi fruit so people actually think that some people think that like to get the kiwi the the fruit you go and get this bird the kiwi chop its head off and chop it up and that's how you get the kiwi fruit I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it makes a really funny t-shirt to wear. Because if you wear it, people will go, oh, is that where it came from? I had no idea. Yeah, and then people just go, just stay away from kiwi fruit in general then. Yeah. <laughs> but kiwi fruit is really nice. I would encourage people to eat kiwi fruit. Apparently, it's really good for your bowels. So, you know, there's no better way well, to use it. <laughs> Look, I, I would certainly say try kiwi fruit versus trying Vegemite or Marmite. Um, but I have taken Vegemite overseas to give to friends, but only as yeah. a practical joke, because 99% of people who I give it to can't stand it. Um, so I take it over because they want to taste it. They're like, oh, can you bring Vegemite over? I was like, okay. Then they have one little bit of it and they're like, oh, this is terrible. It's like, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Um, but so you've got the pageant coming up very soon. Do you get to how long is a pageant? So it goes from September 27th all the way to October 14th, which is the coronation. Oh, night. Wow. wow. So you're over there for a good almost uh, two and a half weeks. So do you get to do anything after? Do you get to see Egypt? Have you been to Egypt before? No, I haven't been to Egypt. Egypt has always been on my bucket list on the places I wanted to go because I'm a huge history nerd. I love okay. history. So Egypt was always been the place to be. And luckily, after the pageant, I'm staying there for an extra three days, only at Shadam al-Sheikh, where Miss mm -hmm. Intercontinental is being held. So yep. I could luckily stay there and beach out, have a tan, and st try to stay away from the New Zealand winter weather as much as I can. So I'm very fortunate to have the opportunity to go to Egypt. And apparently Egypt is the furthest I've been. I've been to around Asia, like South mm -hmm. Korea, Philippines, Singapore, but I've never reached out further from Asia. And from New Zealand to Egypt, it's around about 36 hours flight. So it's quite a long time. That's, uh, that, that's pushing it, even as an Aussie, you know, anything under 24 hours for me, that's a short flight. 36, 36 is about average. Is it, a, is it a direct flight or do you have to stop off somewhere? No, so there's a few stopovers along the way. So firstly, I get to Auckland to Melbourne, then wait for a wee while from Melbourne to Dubai then Dubai to Cairo, then Cairo to Sharam al-Sheikh, where Miss Intercontinental oh. is being held. Okay. Well, I'm going to say a prayer now for your luggage and hope that it <laughs> makes its intended destination <laughs> because ever since COVID cleared and we've been traveling again, the number of pageant girls who seem to have lost their luggage, it's... it's, it's mm. As I said, I'm going to say a prayer because the last thing you want to do as a pageant girl is get to the pageant without your suitcases. Oh, absolutely. That's why I'm just writing my name in Vivid on, on my suitcase so people know it's my luggage in my suitcases because, you know, with a lot, when you bring a lot of luggage, more than one, you're very mm. much prone to lose it. So it's always important to be 
not only accountable and to be responsible of your luggages, but also be aware of where yeah. your luggages are going to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I hope your luggage gets there without a hitch. I know it's gotten so bad that some, some of the girls have started taking maybe the evening gown or yeah. or the crown or the, you know the national costume those sorts of yeah. really key pieces that they can't afford to do without they're taking them on the plane and taking that on as carry on so uh i'm sure you'll be fine i'm sure nothing nothing oh, bad will happen hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> um Roblin, just before we go to the close and the final 10 questions is there anyone that you want to give a shout out to for supporting you yes I would firstly like to shout out to everyone who is watching today because it's such a wonderful opportunity to be here on, on this wonderful, wonderful platform, as well as to my wonderful team, which is Miss Kanudal Organization New Zealand, for giving me the opportunity to represent New Zealand overseas at Miss Intercontinental, as well as friends and family, and also to my wonderful supporters out there who have been on this journey with me since day one. They won of oh, seven years ago. Um, oh, do yes. you think? Do you think after this that will be it, or do you think there may be another pageant in your future, or is it too early to tell? It is too early to tell. I am a person that likes to take things one step at a time. So currently, right now, I'm focusing on Miss Intercontinental. Maybe yeah. if you ask me about you know afterwards, then we'll see what happens. I tend not to ask a pageant girl whether they want to compete again right after they've competed because I think it's like asking a woman if she wants another child right after she's given birth. Uh -huh. So, you know, everything has its time and place. Um, but those three days after the pageant, I'm sure you're going to spend most of them doing nothing because after two and a half weeks of pageant, all you want to do is sleep, number one, and then two, nothing. Those two, and eat, yeah. probably. So yeah. those three things. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Let's get to the final 10 questions. So just 10 rapid fire questions to finish us off. So number one, what is your favorite word? My favorite word is surprisingly absolutely. I say absolutely to everything. <laughs> That's actually a word I say way too much. I don't know if it's my favorite word, but I realized I was saying it every sentence. So. It's probably my least favorite word now because I had to cut it out of my vocabulary because I'd say, oh, oh, absolutely. It's like, oh, my God, stop saying that word. Uh, well, number two, what is your least favorite word? I don't like the word moist. And I know a lot of people would say the same thing. Moist is just such an odd word to say. Oh, no, I try to say anything else but moist to describe something damp. My favorite is your guys' uh, facial expressions as you say moist. The word is one thing. The way that your faces look, the contortions I see, that, that's the best part of it. One, one person actually almost started crying. They hated the word that much. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about that word, but it, it really polarizes. So, yeah, I can say it. It's fine. But uh, anyway, let's move on from that uncomfortable subject. Number three, in life, what gets you excited or what turns you on? Fries. Fries is life. I love fries. Especially Kentucky Fried Chicken Fries. Man, they make the best fries. Controversial, but 
honest. Hmm. <laughs> I love. I haven't fries. been. I haven't been to KFC in forever. So the fries at KFC, you think they're better than McDonald's? Yes, I don't like. To be honest, I don't like McDonald's fries because they're so thin and so oily yeah. compared to KFC fries. I don't know. I don't know hmm, okay. whether you know the difference or whether it's very different in Australia in terms with their fries. No. Yeah, the the McDonald's fries are, are very skinny and they're kind of limp. And I do I do prefer there's a chicken shop near me where the th fries are are thicker and they're crunchier. Mm -hmm. And I do prefer them to McDonald's fries. Yeah. I just don't like very small thin fries, especially when they oh. look very dull. <laughs> it's just like, nah, that doesn't look appetizing. Give me solid fries. Big thick fries. <laughs> You look like you've, seasoning on it. you look like you've spent quite a bit of time looking at McDonald's fries very disapprovingly. It sounds like you've given this quite a lot of thought. Uh, I was like, no, it's just not good enough. This is not what I want. This is not acceptable. Um, I feel like a fries connoisseur at times, just like critically analyzing fries. Well, I, I will say out of any food, fries is the one that habitually will get me the most excited like if you've had a really long day or really long week just something i mean a lot of especially girls love sweets but for me it's always fries fresh fried fries some chicken salt and it's just leave me alone i'm just gonna oh. sit on my couch watch netflix just go away don't talk to me so i can definitely agree big... with you on that are you a big fan of chicken salt yes on fries, I, I never had it before on anything else. But then it's like um, on fries, it's like, oh, do you want chicken salt? It's like, what's chicken salt? Like, oh, I'll try it. And then it's like, oh, this is even better than just salt. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not good for you, I'm sure. But whatever, I don't eat fries every day. Um, so that was what turns you on was fries. What, what about what turns you off? What turns me off is foggy food. I don't like soggy food. It's just, it's so sad. It's just, the, what is excitement about soggy food? I know a lot of people who eat cold pizza and it's just like, why? Why do you like cold pizza? They're so nice when they're fresh and hot and there's a lot of flavor. I feel like all the flavor's gone when they're just so soggy. So that kind of turns me off. It's just people eating soggy food. Are you a bit of a food snob? Uh, yes, I love food. Food is life. Food is life. I'm just getting the feeling that you've given a lot of thought to food and, and the way that people, other people are doing it wrong. So, okay. So, no, no soggy food then. Well, I can't, I don't think anyone likes soggy food though, do they? No. I know a few people that do and eat it anyway. And it's just like, why? What's wrong why? with them? <laughs> I know, I know. Why can't you just put it in the oven for about 10 minutes or put it in the microwave and heat it up? But I know, not everybody has the time for it and it's kind of understandable. They just want to eat it straight away. Now I'm just thinking about food. I'm thinking about the smell of freshly baked pizza and the smell of fries and the texture when you crunch them. This is a very dangerous line of conversation because I can't concentrate on anything else. So we better... Better finish this before I have to go and eat something. Um, question five, what sound or noise do you love? I love music. 
just any type of music in general. I love listening to any genre, whether it's mm-hmm. world music or pop music or rock or punk or actually not ballads or love songs. That's kind of the music I tend to stay away from. But any type of music that can lift me up and makes me relax, that's the best sound of, of music that I love to hear. What sound or noise do you hate? Static noises. I just don't mm. like anything staticky because, I don't know, it kind of gives you a headache at times. You just hear it the same thing and it's like, am I being oh, yeah. paranoid or am I hearing stuff? or what is going on and you get kind of dazed and confused trying to figure out where it's coming from as well it can it can drive you crazy i've um had a few interviews where i've had technical hiccups and there's been not quite static but certainly weird audio crackling and it, it just drives you absolutely crazy it's very distracting so I can, um, you know, if you're wearing an earpiece or something like for your security job and you're getting that static crack all the time, yeah, that would really be annoying, give you a giant headache by the end of the day and make you want to kill everyone. Um, <laughs> so I can understand that. Uh, question seven, if you could have any one superpower, what would you pick and why? I would love the ability to fly so I won't have to, you know, buy any plane tickets. Mm. You know, you can go, you can just fly everywhere for free. And the only thing you need to worry about is accommodation and also activity tickets at Universal Studios or at Disney World. So, I mean, it's a lot, very cheap. That's oddly specific. (laughs) Oddly, oddly. (laughs) The only thing you need to worry about is, you know, it's not like not every city in the world has a Universal Studios, I don't think, but can obviously (laughs) see where you want to go. Um, All right. So question eight, what job other than your own would you most like to attempt? I would like to be an archaeologist. As I said before, I am a huge history nerd and I would love to find artifacts and relics from a certain period of time, more specifically Mm -hmm. in ancient Greeks, in ancient um, Rome or ancient Greece. That's kind of my type of area that I really want to delve into However, archaeology requires a lot of numeracy as well as science, you know, scientific mindset. And I have to say, I am not very particularly strong in that in that field. Right. So hence why I went into security because it, it bounds a lot more with literacy, which I am mm. very much against. Right. Uh, question nine. What's a job you would definitely not like to attempt? A job of doing nothing. You know, being people who being unemployed. Any- <laughs> yeah, being unemployed. Yeah. Because I I myself was in that in that position before. I think during the pandemic, I was unemployed. And I felt really down and depressed throughout that time because I feel like I didn't know what to do with myself as well as my parents keep on harassing me and be like, what are you yeah. doing with your life? You know, do you have any goals in, in mind to succeed mm-hmm. in this life? And I was like, no, I, I've been applying so much jobs throughout the pandemic, but no one's accepting me. So yeah. because of my experience, I would say unemployed, but I respect people 
who want to go through that route. And I understand and give out my sympathies to people who are currently in this position as well, because it's very difficult. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's unemployment. To be fair, I think it's almost just being bored or being directionless yeah. or not having, not having any drive when you wake up every day. Which you know mm -hmm. that that was probably probably all of us at times during the pandemic. Um, so I can certainly understand that you don't want to wake up today and go, well, not much to do with my life. So that's a very dangerous yeah, place to be. Um, final question: If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at? The pearly gates uh i would love him to say would you like fries i know it's got it goes everything goes back to food i know i'm, I'm, but, yeah, I'm seeing this <laughs> you can tell i'm fresh out of work i'm haven't eaten since around about 12 p.m and all i can think about is fries <laughs> You so basically want head, heaven to be a giant like chicken shop or giant KFC then. Yeah, chicken and chip shop, you know, fish and chip shop, whatever, you know, that's kind of what I want to hear from God because that food is everybody's happy space. It's a universal yeah. place for all of us to enjoy. So why yeah. not go up the pearly gates and do something that you love? That sounds good to me. Um, well, Rosalind, that's about it. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been all it's such been... a joy to be on. <laughs> it's great getting to chat to uh, chat to you and to a New Zealander. It's always good to chat to someone who's got a bit more of a familiar accent to me. I, I interview a lot of the the Brits, the Yanks, and other people, and it's like it's always like coming home when I interview someone who's got an Australian <laughs> or a Kiwi accent. Um, but as I said, I'll keep you on the line for just a second whilst I play us out. Thanks to everyone for watching, whether it's live or on the replay, and we will speak to you next time. Bye for now. Hey, thanks so much for watching. Sorority access is now open, so if you'd like to join an amazing group of women and learn how to be the most powerful, confident, and impactful queen possible, head to the pageantsorority.com. I'll see you there and see you in the next video.